Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Groundhog Day. Bill Murray told us the weather. In the year 1993, Bill Murray told us the weather. It's cold outside. (laughs) I was wondering how many I could get away with before you made me stop. (laughs) Well, I was in a bit. I was thinking of screaming it's cold outside much earlier. So, um, (laughs) yeah, Mm -hmm. lots, lots of quotables here selling insurance. It's Groundhog's Day. It's Groundhog's Day. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, this is sci-fi sanctuary. This is Matt and Luke's sci-fi sanctuary. In fact, where this is Matt. And this is Luke. There, got that out of the way. Um, yeah, it, it is Groundhog's Day the movie everyone likes? Have we heard anyone say they don't like Groundhog's Day? Oh, right. Okay, I've got a story for this. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> My high school girlfriend hated... Um, I've got a name, got to scroll up. Andy McDowell. <laughs> if she saw Andy McDowell in any kind of um, like makeup commercial, L'Oreal commercial, whatever, she's like, oh, Andy McDowell. I was like, why do you hate Andy McDowell? And she's like, because she was only in one movie and now she acts like she's famous. Because um, she, she's only in Four Weddings and a Funeral. And now she acts like she's a big star. And then like six months later, I saw Groundhog Day and she's in it. And I went to, my, to the girlfriend, I was like, Wait, she's in two movies. She's also in Groundhog's Day. And then she's like, yeah, that's why I hate Groundhog's Day. <laughs> but your whole thing falls apart if she's in two movies. Okay. <laughs> There's someone that doesn't like Groundhog's Day, but for, for the most fascinating reason. reasons. <laughs> anyway, the, the tact we're going to take on this film today, because there is a sci-fi tact, and we'll hit on it a little bit, but we have our, our Buddhist correspondent, Von Gout, coming in to chat it up a bit. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, hi. Thanks, Thanks yeah, for inviting me. I do love this movie. It's been a while, so I had to rewatch it and um, saw some new things that I didn't see last time. It is a movie that like kind of uh, rewards you for that, I think. So <laughs> yeah, for obvious reasons, right? I think it's made to be rewatchable. Right. Um, I guess we'll we'll do a little bit of a how we how we first got into this one, which is um, yeah, this was just the suburban film experience for me i think it's the uh the first film i saw at the new multiplex not too far from my house it was exciting for that i think i went with my dad 
but yeah, we came out just like, whoa, that was so great, you know, like, and then the feeling has never really faded on this one. Um, th hmm. This is, this is just not far from, I'm not quite sure if it's top 10 for me, but that's because I want to put like, you know, weird psychedelic movies with flashing lights in my top 10. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was thinking, because Matt has recently started his Twilight Zone podcast, cheap plug there for Time Enough podcast. Um, this has a Twilight Zone feel in that it makes the sensible decision that it doesn't need to tell you why any of this is happening. And that was supposed to, there originally was a prologue where they were yeah, yeah, they talked about happening. giving, but I think the film is much better for not doing that. No, I, I, I would concur with that because, um, you know, I, back to the John Carpenter thing where they only show you like a small sliver and don't tell you anything else. This movie kind of does that, but at the same time, it didn't bug me as a kid because it gives you like you get the run of the town. So it's not like you're really missing a, a spectrum of anything. Hmm. Um, Vaughn, what was your first viewing on this when you said it's been a while? Oh, gosh, <clears throat> this was this was out in 93. And I think it was like in high school, between high school and middle school. So um, it, it has it has been a while. But, you know, the thing I really like about it is that. I know it's for Groundhog's Day, but it it kind of has that um, holiday feel. So if it wasn't Groundhog's Day, I could see them repurpose it for, you know, Christmas and New Year's and him coming to the realiz realization um, and his kind of his turning point. Uh, on New Year's Eve, but yeah, I um, I really like a lot of aspects. So yeah, let's get. I saw three turning points for his character, so we'll get into that. I think the film works well for it not being a big holiday like New Year or Christmas, because mm. then it would be too obvious, too schmaltzy. It's the fact that it is like Groundhog's Day is pretty small and boring, <laughs> so you can appreciate why this like big city guy is not interested in it. And in, in, in that's the why vernacular, the, yeah, the lesson he has to learn is a bit deeper. I mean, when you say the, Groundhog's Day now, I don't think of February second. Um, yeah, I think of this film. Yeah, you say that's completely that's usurped a, it. <laughs> that's a time loop. Groundhog's Day now means a time loop as opposed right, to yeah. some weird holiday. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well, that's how it's become pop culture. It's become a kind of a cult sensation in that you know the movie title has a whole connotation to it to itself that's the that's the that's the badge of success seeing also, your shadow i don't know if harold ramus got that deep maybe he did get that deep <laughs> in it, but the whole idea of seeing your shadow <laughs> mm -hmm. i have always when i want to say the title or write the title there's two s's i want to put in there i want to say groundhog stay but it's not it's groundhog day yeah, I think I've even been dang the S. Um, this this Zoom meeting has the S on, and I put the S on this uh, one S. I'm I'm only uh, Groundhog's Day is what, but yeah, yeah. Good point. My first note is um my my literal note is Groundhog's Day has no possessive. That blew my freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I I I think it's funny because I think well, if if this happened to anyone. The question is, would you do much of the same things that he did, that Phil did? And I think the writers really took the approach of the common things that many of us think about. Well, if we're doing the same day over and over again, let's do a lot of the things that he did. So we got to kind of 
have that ride of the um, kind of the shock factor and then going into the train incident and having the police chase. How many people have not thought of that? <laughs> I, I will say I was thinking, what would I do? You know, like walking home last night, what would I do with that? Dan? I said, oh, I can make podcasts. Oh, but they wouldn't be there after everything <laughs> I, I could make music oh but it wouldn't be there i guess i could write music but you know i i generally i don't know why but i put the number three thousand years for his time stuck in the time loop and yeah <laughs> how long do you think mm. the time loop was uh, it's got to i've written i've actually written my synopsis i've been writing it as we talk because i forgot to do it in advance that's why i've been <laughs> on my phone um, <laughs> but i think it has to be i think i've heard people have calculated it has to be like a pretty huge amount of time because of the things he learns in the time like he masters the piano that's and masters ice sculpting and that's like that's years of true. work right there what do they say and i think 10, the director 10, said he hours? thinks it's like ten thousand. Like, yeah i think the director does have an idea in his head for what it was but okay so i'm lowballing three thousand okay <laughs> yeah but, that's a good point oh how painful <laughs> um what what do y'all th- just real, what do you think of that idea the 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 ten thousand hours needed to master something does that seem right wrong can you be a virtuoso maybe he picked up piano real quick <laughs> um like it depends what because the thing is most people who you an outsider would say have mastered it would say they've just begun so what is a master of something like piano of something like um, ice sculpting maybe he's learned to play other people's music but can he play by ear can he create music yeah, i think ten thousand is a baseline it's meant to be this is how much time it would take so that literally anyone can master it mm. some people right. don't master but after ten thousand hours anyone can do it um luke how, how far are you on that synopsis i'm done i'm done okay i'm curious to see how you're gonna how to how you're gonna rock it you know i was no, it's, very it's, gl- it's very brief you know what mine are like yeah, I know. I was just I was glad when you chose the hog and I took last week's episode. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb. Babe. I got you, babe. Bill Connors is a Pittsburgh weatherman who dreams of the big networks. Once a year, he travels to Puxatawney and reports on the more famous weather-predicting Phil, the Groundhog. This year, he and his cameraman Larry and producer Rita are trapped there by a blizzard which he predicted would go the other way. He powers through despite hating small-time life, but wakes up to relive the same day again and again. He tries getting laid, tries getting rich, tries killing himself, lives millennia, but eventually learns to just vibe and help people. With love a lot it. of insider baseball knowledge, but <laughs> yeah, I love it. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb. Babe, I got you, babe. You know, the thing is, is that in um, in Buddhism and Eastern metaphys- metaphysics, there is the concept of reincarnation and some people reincarnate back in and kind of pick up 
some old skills and talents that they had mastered or were learning before. So the learning curve is much shorter, but that's very few and far between. Most people have to, you know, kind of scale that 10,000 hours in order to get really good at something. But there are those rare exceptions that they would call them savants or prodigies. Yeah, I was recently reading a book about um, the only Westerner who ever became a samurai, or one of the only ones. And um, there's a line in it that multiple times the Japanese people say, uh, I guess he was Japanese in a previous life. I was going to say that. <laughs> he wasn't or been a samurai. Yeah. Well, Every again, time he picks something up, they're like, oh, I guess he was Japanese in a previous life. Well, yeah, see, I that's just... how that's how they that's how they um, recognize if you're an old soul. You know that, you know, the yeah. test for Dalai Lama. Do you know the test for the Dalai Lama? I don't know. Okay, the test. Okay, so real, real quick. So the test for um, an old soul is if they can recognize an item of the previous soul that they're trying to prove they are. Um, Okay, so like the Dalai Lama, they when they pick a new Dalai Lama, all of the monks and and people will meditate and try to vibe into that frequency and connect with source to try to locate geolocate where in the world this soul is going to be born and then they um bring items and just random items but if that child picks the right ones that are directly from that previous soul then that's another confirmation that they have the right soul but it's the same kind of thing so like with the sam the samurai if the white man who became the samurai the only samurai um master maybe he came back and just picked up his old sword but he just happened to have a different skin now when you the reason i went oh when you started telling me that um that's how they find the new avatar in the cartoon series avatar as well yeah wearing the robes yeah i mean I, i've said before i definitely have felt felt a pull to the exact valley i'm in now and well i I guess, Luke, for you, too, because, I mean, once you've been in Japan for more than three years, you tend to have more of a reason for uh, showing up. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> at this point, I'm not here by... At this point, after three and a half... Oh, it's four years in, like, three days. Um, If I was going to be here temporarily, I think I'd have left by now. Yeah, yeah. Although I mean... certain world events might change the answer on that one a little bit. Yeah, moving around isn't the easiest now. But yeah, I, I'm perfectly happy to be stuck in my valley for the moment. And well, I haven't really been out of it recently. So <laughs> how deep is your valley? Um, I do. Of course, I want to get down deep with the movie, but let's do a little bit of the actor talk since I guess we do that about here. Uh, what phase of Bill Murray is this? It's two or three, I'm guessing, because he he kind of quit making movies for a while in the mid to late 80s after Ghostbusters. They drove some truckloads of money to his house to do Ghostbusters, too. And this this wasn't too long after. I'm kind of wondering. I, I, see, I thought this was 1990. So now I got to check what he was kind of up to in that, that little bit of time there. I'm not as familiar with the progress of Bill Murray as you are. Yeah, I, I it, even it does much... feel like I don't know what it is about it, but it feels like. For him, it's a passion project. This doesn't feel like the film he picked up for a paycheck. He seems very into this film. Maybe that's just that Bill Murray is good at what he does, and that always comes across. <laughs> well, I, I kind of feel like it's um, Harold Ramis's passion project, and uh, you know, Murray's mm-hmm. like his buddy. 
So yeah, maybe it's just that he's into helping out his friend with this project. But yeah, he seems very interested in it. It doesn't seem like uh, he's sleepwalking through this in any way. Oops, I just accidentally typed Groundhog Dog. Okay, that's not, that sounds like a good kid's movie, though. <laughs> Groundhog Dog. <laughs> hey, here's like, a would dog. a dog even notice if it was in a Groundhog Day? <laughs> well, it looks for its shadow. <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah it makes you want it makes you wonder are we like i mean are we in a groundhog every day is a new day it's every moment's a new moment or are we just repeating but instead of doing the same thing we're just choosing to do something different every day i mean yeah i do a lot of I'll, walking I'll around practice tonight by breaking a pencil <laughs> I, I do a lot of walking around it i often walk wonder. the same directions but yeah some days i'm just like you know it's it is time to just do a different direction i mean just walking i'm not like talking about like uh you know philosophically there but uh <laughs> mm. okay oh oh yeah that, that's the new ghostbusters i'm looking at man he's been in so many movies okay yeah okay there, there are two notable ones between ghostbusters 2 and groundhog day being quick change does anyone know the movie quick change no. I love that movie. Uh, it's it's not a sci-fi, so it doesn't make sense here. But that is a, that's the um, movie. It has the quote, "You don't know red from hell," which I love. And uh, <laughs> and what about Bob? Which um, I feel like that's a love it or hate it movie. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. <laughs> These both sound like the sort of films where Matt comes up to you and starts a conversation like he expects you to know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, is, they're not the blockbusters. Which <laughs> is an experience that everyone who knows Matt has every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what about Bob is um, he starts with Richard Dreyfus, who becomes his new therapist. And Bob's like extremely neurotic and the Dreyfus takes a his uh, summer holiday to a summer house. So Bill Murray's character, Bob, just like follows him there and charms the family while he drives his therapist insane. So, <laughs> but uh, that, that includes the wonderful part where he's scared of the water. So they end up lashing him to the mast of the boat and they're sailing. He's just screaming, like, I'm sailing. I'm a sailor, man. I sail. <laughs> so, I don't know. Sorry. What about Bob's a great movie? I'm going to recommend it. <laughs> that actually does sound amusing. Yeah. Um, we did a little bit of talk of Andy McDowell already. <laughs> so. Fuck that bitch. Right. I actually <laughs> like her on Four Weddings and no... a Funeral. So I've got no beef with her. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She's 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 a very are you, are you sure, Luke? I mean, does she <laughs> unconsciously remind you of some gal in high school or college that that said no to you uh, on a date or something? What is it about Andy McDowell that well, it's the opposite. I guess she reminds me of someone who said yes and hated her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's so... Anyway, she's okay. I feel like her character a little bit is like... We've all the like, oh, I always drink to world peace and I love French poetry. Is she getting a bit close to like, not quite, but almost manic pixie dream girl? Like, here's this perfect, <laughs> nice person. I feel like maybe she's putting it on a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. She's got a little more professional to her, I guess, than the the. Full yeah, it's, and that's not that's not the word I need, but I can't think what the word is. But it's like she's such such a perfect image of like here is a good person, but it, it feels a bit over the top, and you, you wonder think it's if kind of fake. Is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Here, I can here... see that. I can see that. 
Like there's like there's no there's there's no edging to her character. Yeah, there, like there's no there's no edge or twist to anything she does. She's just she's there to be like this perfect love interest that Bill Murray mm-hmm. has to become good enough to get. Right. Well, that's the the cross he has to to hurdle the bounty has to hurdle. Sorry. Um, just a few of her other films. Uh, actually, that are not for weddings and a funeral because yeah, it she's exist, making up. Yeah, sex lies and videotape, green card, Hudson Hawk, the uh, the the fantastic flop, uh, the player, which is really good. Um, shortcuts, she's got a role in that. Yeah, she's in multiplicity, Muppets from Space. I actually like multiplicity a lot. I haven't seen it since 1996. So I should probably give that another view sometime. Uh, but oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, I was excited. Muppets from Space. This is her second appearance on the podcast exactly <laughs> just paid she, to what i said <laughs> she was the uh reporter that miss piggy shoves off the stage so she can take over okay mm. <laughs> just oh. to throw out what that was <laughs> um the other one chris elliott who he looks like someone that would have had problems was, Does he, have actual was he problems? one of the wet bandits yes he was a bandit in uh home alone that's correct he was in the uh, totally bizarre comedy Cabin Boy, which I remember enjoying in the mid '90s. But um, that one's—I I feel like he just played to... these kind of roles in a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, he's—he's he's the dweebus, I guess, as you've uh, mm. used that word before. But at the end, that face he makes when he's trying to get sold in that auction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, you do feel sorry for him. He but looked, not enough to pay for him. <laughs> he right. looked fairly normal up to that point, and then he just does that leer for like the whole time he's on stage. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just that look is why I'm like, did Chris Elliott get cancelled or something? Because I'm like, <laughs> it's, he just looks, he, he, yeah, that face got it. Has to do it. Um, hold on, let's. I'm having a look. Oh, there's something about Mary. That's a notable hit for him. He's in the abyss. Oh yeah, we might see him some more of him. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that one. I love that one. Yeah, I definitely remember seeing him. In, oh, in scary movie! Right. I do remember him from. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's, back. he's got like a claw for a hand or something. <laughs> oh, it looks like he's not great films. <laughs> looks like he did Saturday Night Live for like a full season, but uh, yeah, yeah, Luke, you, you're not a Saturday Night Live guy anyway, so I don't live in the states. So ah, here's the one I was thinking of. Uh, he had a, a TV show in the early um, '90s, which was uh, Get a Life. And that was yeah. pretty entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. You can't accuse him of doing an Andy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the fake Andy McDowell? <laughs> um. <laughs> before moving on from the actors, just a shout out to all the uh, little character parts because you got Bill Murray's brother Brian playing the um playing the the mayor, uh, Ned. The insurance salesman, you know, they, they all yeah. these people all kind of stick out. Even the, you know, the piano teacher is there enough that you notice she's there, which is is good. So they have they have to be like quirky little character actors because they've got to do one scene like twenty times. Yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah, I I think the character has to be pretty developed to be memorable, especially when they're just side cast. Yeah, yeah, you do. I, feel that you get to know them a little bit in the film or at least you believe that he's gotten to know them even if you as the audience haven't you believe there is a character under the surface there i like the uh, fan theory that what actually gets his day to stop is buying the insurance from ned 
What's yeah, he got insurance That's Luke just Paul. a real good insurance salesman. This is all him. Yeah. Well, is, is that is that one of your fa- Matt? Is that one of your favorite um, repeats uh, of all the different things that repeat, like the you know waking up scene and all the different scenes? What's your favorite repeat that oh, he does? I, every- I'm totally down with uh, with his uh, repeated suicide attempts. Which, uh, oh really? Well, it's the darkest <laughs> part of the movie, but it, it's the for me it is the funniest. Just the look on his face as he's coming down from the tower. I I mean that struck me when I was fourteen years old and watched this. Uh, they oh. have, they give me the same weird thought that um when we watched Live Die Repeat, I noticed that there's a couple times after Tom Cruise dies, you see other characters reacting, mm-hmm. and that happens in this as well. So maybe that just means that after he dies, the day still plays out until 6 a.m. Or it means that every single one of these versions of the day he lived continues on into its own reality. That's quantum theory. Yeah, the ones where he does something, his consciousness gets to go on and restart the day. But there's another Phil Connors out there who has to live with him and the shit he just did. Oh wow, that's a, that's a re- that's really deep, Luke. I like that. You know, my favorite repeat scene is when Rita keeps slapping him. So, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I just you know, but the only thing about um, the only thing that I really wanted more of is I wanted more variety in the slapping. You know. <laughs> She just laughed in the same way every single time, and this wants more variety in the in the different ways that she slaps him when he's you know being a douchebag and being predictable and and not being a gentleman. So um, that's the only thing that I would have liked to see different, just some variety. Um, but it's funny that for the romantic aspect of it, when he keeps trying repeatedly to get to know Rita and. It, and he's trying to be premeditative and trying to force a romantic situation to happen. Somehow she just knows that it's not genuine, mm. which is why I keep, she keeps on smacking him, which I just love that smack sound. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should em- emphasize that a little bit more. But if you, if you want to take like a real, like basic level message from this film, then like, for all those guys out there who are struggling to get a girlfriend, this film does say, like, hey, just work on being the best version of you. Because that's yeah. what works mm-hmm. out for Bill, is when he goes out and just, well, I'm just going to do what I need to do. And then she notices, oh, he is a good person and he's done all these things. Whereas Reddy's like, I've targeted this woman and I'm going to focus on being what she wants. That just comes across as creepy. Mm-hmm. I, I know I overly set up a few dates in high school, so yeah, that, that's not that's not a good thing. <laughs> Did it not work out for you the over setup? No, on the of dates? course not. Of course not. Like, oh yeah, like we're gonna go here, and then I don't know. I, just, I don't remember exactly why. You know, proms and homecomings. Luke and I were talking about this a few days ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, there is the the spontaneity. That that is the thing. Um, you know, we see it all over TV. It's watching Star Trek: The Next Generation, where you know the engineer has the same thing. He's a nice guy, but whenever he's on a date, he just goes, you know, nuts. So, so. <laughs> yeah, you have to just kind of roll with it and be spontaneous. Now that you say that, Matt, I don't think I really have had. I'm thinking about before I got 
married and all of my uh the dates I've been in they've they've all been spontaneous yeah we plan to go to dinner because you have to eat within a four-hour period but um aside from that everything's just kind of been spontaneous like oh let's do this now and let's go over here and and it's much, much more fun but um that's really good advice for for the guys out there but that makes it really hard to give them the kind of a a blanket here fill in the blank especially if they're really nervous Although yep. I think that that doesn't just apply to romantic situations, even just like hanging out with friends. The times when I've had like I tried to plan out like a party or something, it it never goes how you think it's going to go. But when it's just like, oh, I guess, you know, a bunch of us are free at the same time. Let's hang out. Let's do something. Those end up being the really great nights that you remember. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, in, in high school, the, the problem that I do is I'd plan it out like, you know, like the homecoming night or something. And suddenly it's like, hey, our friends are over here. Let's do that instead. And I'm like, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what? So then I'm like, oh, no, but I, I want to do this. And, you know, then then, of course, you just awkward it up everything. So that was kind of my thing, like not being able to change my plan, which is still a problem for me. I, you know, um, when the plan <laughs> changes, that, that is one nice thing about wearing masks is when something suddenly comes at work, I don't make that like look of disgust before, you know, going ahead and doing it. They, they <laughs> at least they don't see it right because <laughs> my wife's like there's you're making that face i'm like yeah but i'm gonna stop making it in like two seconds i just need to like adjust <laughs> to the new reality <laughs> you, you you just your expressionless from the eyes up <laughs> right right but yeah i I, ha- I have the what we're changing the plan face which uh is you know i i mean i'd probably in the past let that go on for my entire day where you, you now i can usually <laughs> diffuse it in two to five seconds <laughs> yeah well it, it it's funny when phil gets sour after you know his his plans to win over the heart of rita has kind of fallen apart and then he decides to kidnap the groundhog and go <laughs> into your favorite thing with all the series of suicides i guess uh, the with the kidnapping the groundhog it kind of makes sense that he thinks the groundhog is the magical thing that's doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can kind of see his angle there. It is Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess when I f- saw the movie, I, I, I know British humor does this all the time, but I don't think I'd seen so much stuff. Yet. I hadn't I hadn't seen my black adder. So just uh, mm. I, I think it struck me when I was younger as being like particularly dark humor. And that that got me. Black Adder having already done it like way more than this, but <laughs> well, it's it's dark, but also it's Bill Murray is very dry. Yeah, like Bill Murray's humor lands very well in British humor as well. I think. I was thinking... there's a lot. There's, there's quite a few Bill Murray comedies where you can be like, watch the whole film and be like, wait, were there jokes in that? I feel like I liked it, but I don't remember it having jokes or being funny. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like Bill a Murray different is kind more of funny. Of the... He's a comic actor, right? He's not a comedian. Yeah. He's not stand-up. He's a comic actor. So, you know, there's more or less comedy in, in various roles. Uh, and this this does hit a very sweet spot of... That, like we said, I guess if she is like some kind of fluffy dream poof girl trying to just change up the language because we decided that wasn't quite it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like that, maybe the, the drama it doesn't quite completely work, but it mostly works and that's fine because this is a comedy in the end. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I just thought at some point he's going to figure it out because there's there's really no way to fail when everything just continues to repeat itself until you figure it out. So he's going to try everything. But 
when he kind of comes clean with Rita and tells her about all these metaphysical things that are happening and, and why he continues to get the same day over again. Uh, I think that's kind of when he, he started to care for others and had no expectations mm. for himself. When I first saw the movie, I remember like, I'm a God being like, Oh, that's funny. That's a joke. But now I'm like, Oh yeah, of course he's God. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> we, we all are to a certain extent, but yes, in, in this day, he is a God, <laughs> God for a day. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I enjoy the, um, the piano scenes and the ice sculpting scenes. And I would have liked to see more of some of the skills that he learned. One of my favorite jokes of the film is when he first goes to get the piano lesson, how long they leave the shot on the student who's been kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly walking away miserable, like what just happened. That might have happened yesterday. They dragged me off to do a trial lesson when I had three minutes left for a class and all the girls were like, aren't we finishing this game? I'm like, well, I can't explain it to the person feeling good. And <laughs> I, I sort of did that yesterday, I think, but uh, that that happens occasionally. So yep. anyway, at least I yeah don't have to claim it was my fault. Um, <laughs> and put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb Here's a question. What's Phil going to be like tomorrow? The film doesn't go into it that much, but yeah, he must have gotten pretty detached from like normal humans for a while there. And like a lot of his, what makes him amazing is that he knows everything that happens in this day. That doesn't apply to the next day. Unless it does, unless he just gets to repeat every day for the rest of his life until he can perfect them. Well, what I saw is I saw some changes in kind of his approach to the same day. Mm. Um, Phil is is self-centered and all about himself. And his whole approach for going after Rita was self-centered all about himself. And when it didn't go his way, even knowing that he knew pretty much everything was going to happen in that day, um, he kind like you said, he's detached from everybody else, detached from reality, kind of gave up. It's like, what, what's the point of living? Um, but he took a, he finally took a different approach where he took in the homeless man and actually tried to be kind to the homeless man and do a series of events of the homeless man. He really started to appreciate life and understand that it's not just about him, but it's also about him being a part of everybody else's life. Hmm. So it was kind of an equal share of presence. Yeah, I think he will be a very different person the next day. Like he's had, you know, a millennium of character growth. So (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, with even with the character growth, now he has to deal with the reality of the next day and not being a god the next day, unless he's just going to live every day like this now. But at least he can (laughs) approach the next day now as, a piano prodigy and a master ice skater and someone who everyone in this town loves and he knows them really well. Like, to be honest with you, yeah, to be honest with you, the guy that he 
end up growing into is a much cooler guy. I mean, I'm sure he would want to hang out with himself or date himself or, you know, just kind of work with himself. I mean, that's what people strive to do. Like if, if anybody is going to like you and want to be around you and maybe have a relationship with you, you have to love yourself. And you have to want to be around yourself. And in the beginning of the movie, he said he didn't like himself at all. By the end, he said, I really do like myself. But then the next day, I'm thinking he might have some PTSD because he's been in this uh, fishbowl for an awful long time. <laughs> I guess for the rest of his life, if he ever hears that Sonny and Sher song. <laughs> it's gonna... Well, I got, I got a friend who um, the, he gets the same reaction from the uh, Heathcliff theme song which is an 80s cartoon because he used to have a Heathcliff alarm and it would play the song every morning so now the song now the song drives him insane oh yeah I have that with um that I forgot his name that Jason Derulo song that used um what you say because that was my alarm clock for a while at uh, the time okay. when I was working up early to work in a supermarket and going out partying most nights so that song was constantly waking me up when I'd had like three hours sleep. No, but lucky. I, just, I just had the nor- I had the annoying loud bell. Yeah, same here. I just but it, it's OK thing. to hate the bell. Right. But now I hate quite a nice song. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I learned never to get that kind of alarm clock, uh, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I and actually I've gotten pretty good at waking up before my alarm goes off. So I guess my internal clock's going well. But on a Saturday morning, I'm still not quite going to trust that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually can, but like you say, it's best not to rely on that when you've got to be up for something. Right. Um, okay, so what if, if you get to obviously Phil doesn't get to choose what day he repeats, but it's always a fun thought experiment when you're talking about this movie, like, hey, what what day are you going to repeat? Oh, that's easy for me. Okay, then you're first. <laughs> okay, that's easy for me. My wedding day. I had from the moment the moment I woke up to when I fell asleep after getting married to my husband, I had fun. I, you know, my husband and I were really involved in planning it. We planned exactly how we wanted it in terms of settings and this and that. Um, And we just enjoyed it. We had a great time. We we did. We weren't busy trying to make sure that the vendors are working and everybody's doing it because we had organized everything and then just let it go and let everybody do their job and just trust it. And we just had the best time at our wedding. We ate a lot and we danced a lot and we were partying at our own wedding. We just had a great time. I would do that over and over again every single day. See, I don't want to pick a day like that because you can't do anything different on that day. So no matter how good a day I pick, eventually I'm going to want to do something different. Hmm. So I guess I would pick a day in the middle of a week off when I've just been paid. (laughs) And then I could just do anything. I don't want to relive a specific day I've already had. I just want to have a day where I can do whatever and relive that over and over. Yeah, I guess I have a similar thought. Mine's even a... Mine's kind of weird because I guess I, I actually kind of want to spend it mostly by myself. But I'm leaving in the option for not, which would be a lot of my Mondays now. I'll drive up to the family house, which is like kind of like a, you know, a, a really nice old Japanese style house, you know, play music, take a walk, maybe watch something if nobody's there. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, play some more music. Then I got to take my daughter's bag to the Kumon and 
go back home. So I still see people and I still get some alone time. And uh, yeah, uh, the, the one catch being what I mentioned earlier is uh, now if I'm playing a cello, I guess that's cool. I'm probably not recording it anyway. So I'd get like, you know, Bill Murray good at the piano or something. But uh, yeah, whatever you create, you can't take into the next iteration. Like it, like it's worth something recorded. So that wouldn't be so awesome. But yeah. Oh, wait, sorry. I've got to correct myself. Uh, I would pick 9-11, Matt, so I could stop it happening. Oh, my God. You were playing Pokemon. So selfish. Yeah, I was 11 Pokemon. years old and living in the UK. So, like, what was I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Ring up George Bush. Excuse me, Mr. Bush. And he's like, yeah, I know. I orchestrated it. So He was busy reading a book at the time. <laughs> my pet goat. <laughs> was that it? Uh -huh. Your joke was more wholesome than mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to go with, with that anyway. So let's, uh, Vaughn, maybe I'll, if you don't mind me putting you on a spot. Um, go ahead. What, what, are the, what are the new things you saw uh, going through the movie this time? You, you mentioned a few new observations. Well, I really like the, the, the ending where, you know, he went to the festival banquet. And that's where in, um, kind of all the nice Good Samaritan deeds that... Phil did uh, culminated and, and everybody was just, you know, congratulating him and hugging him and just being really appreciated of him. And um, I just enjoyed the party. I enjoy a good party. I, I, I enjoyed the music that he did. And um, the auction was entertaining, although I think the auction could have been a little bit more spicy. I mean, I've, 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 I remember in college for fundraising, they would always auction out the sports players, and they always got a little bit more more spicy. They got a little a uh, little hot and heavy, and so there there was opportunities. I think they could have brought all the men up there, and then line them up, you know, kind of like a brochure of men to of bachelors to auction out, and then the women can, you know, <laughs> it would be funny if his uh, cameraman is standing next to him doing his face and then you know Phil is doing um, whatever he's doing but it would have been funny to see a set of bachelors up on the stage in comparison and then do the auction but I wonder why they only did one at a time hmm I there's a um, I keep bringing it up like stupidly on podcasts, but there's a Save by the Bell episode has the similar thing done in the same style as this movie. So I don't know if that was like just the Hollywood trope at the time on how you do it. Well, I mean, if for boring filmmaking reasons, I guess they wanted to get the little sweet heartfelt moment out of the way and then do the gag with Larry rather than trying to do both at the same time. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I, I, in a real version, I think you would have them all up on stage at once. I think there is. And you wouldn't just of... let any old pervert from the audience come up and offer himself. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he doesn't even live in that town. It's like, who is this yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah. I travel from been... town to town taking part in these. That <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a funny scene where they could have gotten some more good laughs out of the auction. Um yeah, and then there were some other scenes that they could have kind of pulled a little, a little bit more um, comedy out of as well. So I, I, I noticed since it's a comedy, I noticed that I know they're trying to be really metaphysical and be really deep at the same time be really comical. But I think the moments where there were some funniness, they could have kind of 
gone a little bit further and and kind of had us laughing a little longer. So I I would have liked that a little bit more. Yeah, like I said, I think earlier, it doesn't feel like a big laugh out loud kind of a comedy. Mm, mm-hmm. It's it's it, I don't think that's necessarily what it's trying to be. But yeah, there there definitely were room for it. Like I think if this film were made today, you would go way more wacky with just oh here are the things you could do when you're repeating time, right? Oh Whereas yeah. This film, this film doesn't really lean into that that hard. Like yeah. we have a couple. He does a couple of silly things at the start, but then it gets into. Basically, it's Rita. Then he's depressed. Then he learns his lesson. That's it. The film's pretty tight. Yeah, I think there actually is a lot of de- um, deleted scenes. Uh, in mm. fact, I, I believe they're on the uh, DVD, if I remember. But um, I, I was looking for them and, and found some fun trivia here. One, um, just to put into Bill Murray seemed really down with this film. It says he was going through a divorce at the time and used this film basically as his distraction. He was calling Harold Ramis at like, you know, three in the morning to talk about the film. <laughs> right. Yep. There you go. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the groundhog bit him twice and he had to get anti-rabies injections. That's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the yeah. one that's- a little a little more pertinent i think is um the original script actually had phil connor's where we start the movie he's already trapped in the day and you're just supposed to wonder how he knows everything is happening like it starts with him like somewhere in the middle so i i I think that it was good to change it how they did in this movie like we go in with him so we can you know because he's so inhuman by the time he's a god you know we need to kind of take that trip with him right yeah that, that would yeah, have been like a yeah. fun and interesting film but for like a happy-go-lucky comedy i don't think it would have worked yeah yeah for a comedy for a comedy it, it's a fine line between comedy and um you know, also trying to answer or explore some existential questions hmm. that this one was trying was trying to kind of not go deep into but just kind of circle around and i think I think they achieved what they were trying to do in that they found an entertaining way for you to kind of question if you had to live the same day over and over again, how would you do it differently? And by the end of it, um, you know, Phil ended up learning to engage with people, be kind, be considerate, contribute. And really was really a selfless person. He didn't really think about himself the other day by the very end. And it, because he didn't really think about himself per se, um, he had the best the best day. I think that from beginning to end, that's a really good day. Mm-hmm. I am wondering if this is kind of where uh, American Generation X and Y first kind of, you know, subtly got the idea for you know like the uh, many many lives and improving and reincarnation reincarnation mm. ideas like. I'm, I'm seeing you're thinking if anything before this would have even had me thinking about that. And, uh, you know, having grown up in a Episcopal church. So, and I'm thinking like the answer is probably no. Quantum leap, maybe. Oh, I love quantum leap. That's my favorite. That is a good I love one. That. that that's more of like, a, again, that's where this yeah, movie it benefit, fit, but... gets benefits from not having an explanation because quantum leap is like, mm. well, Beckett's just traveling through this weird invention he did you know it's yep. it's mm-hmm. kind of his fault <laughs> mm. yeah. but um yeah i don't know film. we 
You know what would have been entertaining is if at the very end, just as an idea, at the very end when he goes to the festival, maybe somebody else within that day all of a sudden has a Groundhog's Day. Like, oh, what's mm-hmm. going on? It's the same thing. And then he can, then maybe he'll notice that person and uh, they can kind of share or um, have some kind of recognition that I just got out of Groundhog's Day and you just got into it. You know, that would have been kind of a sequel um, introduction. Yeah, I think if I was making like a, a end credit scene or something these days, I would have had like Larry wakes up and relives the next day or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I that'd be like fun. You'd have expected a little joke like that at the end, but we don't really get anything. Again, well, a- because they don't make any effort to tell us what what is causing this. It's just a weird thing that happened to this one dude. That idea does kind of show up in, um, you know, all you need is kill, live, die, repeat. Whatever, right, because, because she had it before and now he has it and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, so they maybe that they had your same idea, basically, and used it in the uh, sci-fi Groundhog's Day. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the harder sci-fi Groundhog's Day. I, I, like, I don't feel weird calling this a sci-fi. I mean, I could be wrong. I guess it is more of a fantasy, but uh... Ooh, <laughs> well, what's his... the difference? What's the difference between a fantasy and a sci-fi? I guess that gets back to where you're saying this sort of like lives in the twilight zone, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because here's something which dealt with reincarnation and came out one year before this. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm, love that. I saw that. And in that case, I was confused. Of course you were. And all the mummy films. All the mummy films from the 30s. Oh, right. Well, yeah, I actually hadn't seen those. But but even then, it's, it's a monster. You're thinking about the monster, right? You're not yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. reincarnation as much. Whereas this one is, oh, here's just a normal guy that just keeps doing it again and again, right? Hmm. Well, you know what? We can say that the last two years during the worldwide pandemic, that was a groundhog day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> We're doing the same of- thing over and over again. People often talk about how, like, their concept of, like, different months, different days, time has completely disappeared from people who have been. Like, me and Matt have been on the weird periphery where Japan hasn't really had to shut down at all. So we've just been hearing about it all secondhand. But that's definitely something people talk about. But we are back. Yeah, here in the States, here in the States, it's Groundhog's two year. (laughs) And uh, I can't wait for it to be over. Well, that's that's the joke. We had 2020, then 2021 at one, 2022. It's just 2020 part two, right? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how, how they roll. So 2023, hopefully. Well, I guess every year is a 2020 for the 2020s. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. But but even, you know, not having that sort of thing going on, I, I Sometimes I am just like, well, it's this part of the week now and it won't be that part of the week later, which I guess Phil doesn't get the benefit of that, except that he knows it's the same day. Right. Because, mm. you know, when I'm going back to work at the beginning of the week, it's, ah, it's the start of the week. I'll be, oh, it'll be the end of the week, too, at some point. So I guess it's fine. <laughs> Hell, I'm almost <laughs> yeah. to the end of the week. That's great. <laughs> you have nothing. You don't have nothing. You have nothing to look forward to. Kind of like you look forward to the weekend. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons podcasting. I look forward to this. I look forward to walking around, listening to podcasts, listening to music. I, you know, in, in my little bits uh, between between class, I, I have some I have things to enjoy. I enjoy my Thursday night. I finish work too late, but then I have this little walk I take that I only started doing a few months ago. So it's still kind of new and exciting. Well, I always have that feeling of like, oh, it's the start of the week. Then I remember I don't even dislike my job. 
<laughs> I actually quite like talking to kids all day. Yeah, it's there's, just, just, there's something in your brain that's like, oh, but it's work. Well, it's just like, like I have things I'd like to do. It's like, man, if I had today, I could like, I could like get all this music finished. I got these podcasts and by I got to teach these classes. And I will enjoy myself teaching the classes, but it, you know, it's it's not what I actually want to be yeah, doing at yeah, that I know moment. You, you know, so I I guess that's the thing. Mindset, but, man. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like uh, yesterday, I was like, man, I got six hour run here. I'm like, well, you know, we're doing this game now. This is fun. And then it'll be three classes later. And and then I'll be walking around uh, the town at, at 10 at night, which I enjoy. So mm-hmm. you got to mix it up, Matt. If you're if you're bored of your day, you got to mix it up a little bit. I'm talking about how I enjoy these. I actually enjoy my Thursday night quite well. I really enjoy mm. that walk. I really enjoyed it last night, you know. Um, one of my favorite podcasts they they didn't post yesterday because they had taken a short break. So I just had to go to one of their old episodes because I, I like taking that walk and listening to that podcast. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Every podcast has its own energy. Right, exactly. I so, have this weird thing where because I always listen to podcasts while I'm hiking. A lot of places feel like that they're, they're like haunted by whatever podcast I listen to the first time I visit them. <laughs> like if I see certain parts of town, I can hear the voice of whatever episode I listened to the first time I went there. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like last night, I like had to find their old episode because I'm like, well, on this walk, I'm hearing these these guys. So I need. Yeah, to I have like... certain certain trips or certain things. Just like, no, no, I have to be listening to such and such a podcast when I'm doing this. That's <laughs> how it's going to so, be. So it's not being bored. It's a, I think it's effectively using your time right <laughs> yeah and put your little hand in mine there ain't no hill or mountain we can climb babe i got you babe i got you babe uh we should do a bit on how this film's holding up. I guess it's holding up pretty well because this is now just slang talk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's coming up on 30 years old. Yeah. But it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's aged particularly. Uh, maybe that's helped by the fact that it doesn't explain anything. Because if they'd done it like, you know, he like Gremlin style, he goes into a mysterious Chinese shop and buys a cursed object. That would have aged if they tried to go sci-fi there'd be an effect shot that kind of aged but they don't do anything like that so it's just actors on screen being charming and funny and that stuff doesn't really age yeah i guess hairstyles the only mm-hmm. thing that's aging this one <laughs> but it makes that that doesn't feel aged because the film is about one specific day in one specific year yeah so you if you could just think of it like a period piece mm-hmm. like if you made a film now set in 1993 it would look like this like the cinematography hasn't aged, the performances haven't aged, the writing hasn't aged. Yeah, this is, mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking more about the concepts and the characters, which makes sense in this film, but it is a very well put together. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not really any seams showing, which is kind of nice. You know, I mean, we can always wish like a scene were a little different, but as far as like just how it looks, you're never like, wow, that that fell flat. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's and that's where it holds up as a comedy is it yeah it doesn't have that many jokes but it keeps bouncing because i i remember especially in the late 80s comedy would be the first 30 minutes were hysterical and then they'd have mm-hmm. to like, have the plot kick in and just from there on it's just a drag <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it does carry throughout throughout. So there. So that's good. It's, so you have some moments where you're laughing, then you're thinking, then you're laughing, then you're thinking. Um. Yeah, this one builds up the whole time, and and uh, you mentioned liking the uh the banquet scene in the end, which is it's almost like the graduation scene, right? So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think also yeah. because it it's got it's not like ridiculously over the top comedy at any point. When it does go a little more heartfelt at the end, it doesn't feel like it hasn't earned it. There's a lot of films where for like the first hour, it's just wall-to-wall comedy wackiness. And then suddenly they want you to care about the characters at the end and it doesn't land. But this film keeps a pretty similar tone throughout. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they tie, I like how they tie in all of the different um, storylines that Mm -hmm. he went through at the very end because it just kind of ties in all those those side characters and their little stories it's a very obvious point which is why i haven't brought it up but there's a lot of like video games to how this film is structured especially when you think about how back in the day when you had to play through a game in one sitting you couldn't save them and it would be you would do it over and over and over until you find the way to do it perfectly collect all the items or solve all the problems or whatever which is kind of what he's doing. He's reliving the day over and over until he gets the perfect run at the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not the first person who's compared a video game to a... Oh, he speed runs it in the middle there when he just chucks himself off a trip. Clear. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> the speed run is you wake up, you go straight down to breakfast, pick up the toaster and go to the bathtub. <laughs> World record, six minutes. <laughs> okay. But you, you kind of, you lost though. Yeah, um... Having not watched it for a while, though, yeah, his his little chase with with the groundhog and you know going into the um, the quarry or whatever it was, um, yeah, I definitely it started thinking of uh, playing Grand Theft Auto, you know, fifteen years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I in terms of Phil the groundhog and Phil the man, I would have liked Phil the man to kind of become best friends with the little groundhog, and through all the different days that he reiterates him and his little friend kind of like have a sidekick and just look at him like oh that's what you're doing today it, it would have been um i think it would have been funny to carry on the groundhog to all the different things that he does like yeah. all of a sudden they become friends after he tried to kill himself or try to kidnap the groundhog all of a sudden he became friends with it and then that was his little pocket creature that he carried around with him every day there was the scene where he's in the car with the groundhog and it sat next to him and then he's letting it drive and i was thinking like I bet in the trailer, this scene was all over the trailer and people came to this film thinking the groundhog was going to be like his little sidekick. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's what I was hoping, yeah. It would have been funny if the only other living thing that notices the lupus happening is the groundhog. Exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. that's what I'm saying. There's got to be some character that is not part of the game, yeah, not he, part of the, the, the loop cycle. He doesn't have any humans he can talk to, but this like little groundhog is aware that the day is looping. <laughs> And it responded. See, made, more sense, made more sense when you decided the only way to solve it was to kill the groundhog. <laughs> exactly. And if if that makes sense that he thought that the only way to, is to kill the groundhog, then maybe the next iteration, the next day, uh, that groundhog all of a sudden just kind of like cats, all of a sudden is very metaphysical and knows what's going on and is just kind of going, well, yesterday, today, you did something different. And, you know, kind of hints based off of the groundhog's expression that he knows what's up and so they 
end up being friends and kind of going through the, the same things that he went through. But then there's somebody back um, to mirror back to him kind of how his progress is going because otherwise he's just by himself in this universe that continues to repeat itself and no one's noticing. But it would be funny that the one person that notices the difference is the one that's not a human and can't talk. Yeah, but in reality, he bit Bill Murray twice. <laughs> yeah, that, and it would have been funny Twilight to see him get cut. bit. <laughs> yeah, it would be funny to see him get bit by the groundhog in just, the movie. You just want to see Bill Murray getting slapped and bitten for an hour. <laughs> 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 I just think it's funny. <laughs> I just, I, 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 it would have been funny. I think, I think it would have been funny if, if there were some moments where maybe the he fell asleep and the groundhog, you know, bit his toe in bed or something, and he wakes up with the alarm and just different iterations of how he and this groundhog have this relationship You're throughout his me episode. Of having beef with Andy McDowell, at least I don't wish <laughs> violence upon her. <laughs> Well, he, he does make friends with an elephant in Do- Operation Dumbo Drop a few years later, so there's mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and then he gets to play the sassy cat in Garfield. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, see, the thing is, is that, you know, how you were saying earlier, Luke, um, with Annie McDowell, her character being so um, predictable and so dreamlike and so perfect, mm. the groundhog is completely unpredictable. There's there's no background and you just don't know what you're going to get. So it's the, the unpredictability of animals makes it entertaining when they do something that you don't expect. So you have the gal that's predictable and the groundhog that's unpredictable. So I think if they redo this, they should consider making the groundhog more of his body and little pocket creature and um, entertains us in different ways. And he should end up with the groundhog, not with Rita. <laughs> Man's best friend. I don't know. They realize they're never going to get along. He goes, uh, drives off into the snow set with the groundhog. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there any final points we want to throw on this film? I think I've gotten out everything I wanted to. Okay. Well, since we're talking about our groundhog friends now, I guess we're... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fun to get to, but I, I assume that means we got past the, the big points. Um, so... Uh, Ron, how, how's the book coming along? You said you were taking a couple years on the new one, is it? Oh, yeah. So book three of Buddhist Mandalas. I just got the book cover um, illustrated and it's a uh, for people who are into the Buddhist Mandalas book series. It's uh, Miriam, which in the West you will call Mary, but it's Miriam of Magdala and it's her and her three three children. Um, And according to Buddhist um, documents, but uh, that's the book cover, and I haven't wrote it yet. It's going to take some time. And I wanted to kind of sit and roll through the pandemic and kind of see how this evolves um, because I wanted to basically incorporate this somehow into the book as a life lesson because the third one just wraps up the whole experience of samsara. Yeah, I guess of, everyone is uh, the, the getting... Wheel- yeah, it just wraps up the whole wheel of, of uh of life. It just wraps the whole thing up. And uh, one more time, go ahead and tell me your, your the books that they can get now, because uh, there'll be a few people that, that might want to get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just go to Amazon and you just type in my name, which is Vaughn V O N, and then the last name is Galt G A L T, or you can go to my website, which is Merkaba Chakras. 
Amazon.com and those there's a link to the books and that takes you straight to to order um, on Amazon. But the Buddhism books, there is the first one, which is Buddhist Guide to Manifest Parallel Realities. And that's just a breakdown of how to use the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Path in Buddhism um, as a technique to basically manifest the best version of what you're trying to experience next and then if you really want to get metaphysical um there's a two book series right now which is buddhist mandalas one and two and um that is really more for um understanding sacred geometry um your Merk your merkaba the our holographic reality and just a whole lot of information about this experience that we incarnated into and of course when i get done with book three i'll close this whole experience um and so then you know you can see all three books together but they all work out really really well but a lot of people continue to read those three books over and over and over again and they still get and i still get emailed from the same people that they get new insights in different areas that they already read because there is a lot of information in there. So um, just continue to reread it and it'll continue to amplify your energy field. All right, Luke, can you do our thing? Yes. You can find this podcast on Twitter at MLSFS pod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple podcast, Spotify, just search Matt and Luke sci-fi sanctuary. If you want to help support this podcast and keep it online, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastios. And from there, you can find links to our other podcasts like Matt's uh, Twilight Zone podcast, as I mentioned earlier, Time Enough podcast. He also has another podcast about experimental films, educational films and weird documentaries called Oral Hygiene. You can find my Monster Hunter podcast at Monster Mash Pod and also my Pokemon podcast, Luke Loves Pokemon, which is on Twitter at Luke Loves PKMN. Uh, where very soon we'll be entering into the fourth generation of Pokemon, where we'll have Bidoof, which is the most groundhog-looking one, I think. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear more of the music you've heard in this podcast, you can find Matt's music by going to rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. All right. See, when I do that spiel, I usually forget like three of those things. There's they so many things myself, now that I had but... to actually open the page this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just make sure. I think I usually end up leaving out like one of my other podcasts and, and my music. So it's, I, I do mention the monster hunters and the Pokemon. So <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Okay. Well, let's uh, lead the folks back to this one, into this one, out of this one. Where are they going? I don't mind. Wait. I just want to say thank you to your listeners, to all of you listeners at home and to everyone involved in making this film, except Andy McDowell. Fuck Andy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you have to work on there's something about her character that really gets underneath your skin, Luke. And I think you need to go investigate what that is. His ex-girlfriend. His ex-girlfriend, maybe a ex yeah, ex something. I don't know what the deal is, but um in a past life Andy wronged me. Maybe we it's very highly likely that we're going to do a movie review where she's in it again. <laughs> So we'll, we'll, 66% of the podcast is cool with Andy McDowell. And for the rest, we, we heard it.
coming soon. Dark Star. Good night. 